It's hard to stay sober in the city. Here's your sobriety assistant, Debbie Strand. This is Sober in the City, brought to you by Believe Treatment Center. Believe Treatment Center understands and treats all forms of addiction. Call now, 1-855-874-2354, or visit believetreatmentcenter.com. Advisors are standing by to tell you how they can help and how your insurance can pay for it. We're back with more Sober in the City, and I'm Debbie Strand. We're talking about doing the work of a program, what you can expect, how it has worked for others, and how it can work for you, too. If you honestly try, if you think you or someone you care about might have a problem with drugs, alcohol, food issues, sex, gambling, love addiction, give us a call, 800-SOBER-05. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us if you're staying sober. Tell us you're listening to the show. Let me know what it is you like, what topic you'd like to hear about, and how you are staying sober. And if something's taking you back out, tell me why. Tell me why you can't stay sober. Share your opinion on everything that's going on here. We want to hear from you. We want to talk to you. Visit us at SoberInTheCity.com and listen live on the Sober in the City app for both Apple and Android devices. Call us now, 800-SOBER-05. Doing the work of a program, what you can expect, how it has worked for others, and how it can work for you, if you honestly try. Call now, 800-SOBER-05. We've been talking about the steps C4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. 9 and 10 in the last segment. We're going to talk about 11 and 12 here. Step 11 is sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as you understand him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. We're also going to talk about step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. The AA literature says alcoholics. I say others because then that applies to all programs. I don't identify myself with any one individual program or another. I think I qualify for many. <laughs> so let's just go from there. Uh, step 11. Step 11 grows in me all the time. My favorite word of the whole program is sought, to seek. Always look for answers. Solutions are different things that work for you. Some say, get to know your God, your higher power. I say, define him. If we get to figure out a higher power for ourselves, then I should take my time figuring out what he is, what he means to me. We get to choose our own, and I choose a loving one. I choose a patient one. I choose a forgiving one. Build one of your own. The longer I'm sober, I see clearer how he works in my life. The more I let go of the problems in my life, the less problems I have in my life. And that seemed like a paradox at the time. But now today, it makes total sense to me. Let go of the problems and you don't have them. Just don't worry about them anymore. God's going to sort it all out. Whatever it is, it's going to be. And it's always for my higher good. And then step 12, now that I have this program, now that I've been through it, I can share it with others. I couldn't share what I didn't have. Somehow that took a while to sink in too. And as I go throughout my day, I practice the principles in all my affairs, meaning be nice. Basically, steps 11 and 12 are don't be a control freak and stop being a douche. Just be nice. Is that so hard? Apparently, at one time it was for me. So there's a lot of letting go, getting past hurts and pains and putting different things into perspective and getting them right-sized through the other steps. And then uh, 11 and 12, seeking a God that I understand, and 12, carrying the message to other. 
I, I don't know why or how this works, but I do know when I follow this program, my life is not only better, but I'm no longer in pain. And most days, I'm generally happy. And most of the time, I'm actually out having fun. If you don't believe me, check my Facebook. <laughs> I'm out having a good life. I'm enjoying it. So we want to bring a few people on the line to share their experience, strength, and hope with you. We've got Richard from Punta Gorda, Florida. Richard, welcome to Sober in the City. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. You hear me sharing about steps 11 and 12. Can you share what your experience is? Take this scary monster of these steps out of it for the people who haven't done it yet that are looking to work a program of recovery. Thank you, Debbie. I, I'm reminded of uh, a mystic, Meister Eckhart, a 15th century mystery that writes, man's only real problem is that he cannot sit in an empty room by himself. And in my recovery time, and I have to be careful to define my recovery time as that time which I haven't been into my substance abuse and have grown in my spiritual and emotional life to the point where I feel like I am recovered and living a good life. So it's important for me. I think step 11 was the first place that I started understanding that it was more than just not using my, and I, and I am, I'm a recovering alcoholic. So it was more than not drinking uh, up through steps 10 for many, many years. It was, uh, I was okay. I'm doing fine. Blah, blah, blah. And that was the drinking part. I was finally getting over my actual addiction of alcohol. And then step 11 and 12 said, you have to grow up, become a member of the human race again and mature. And these two steps are going to help you do that. And that was, uh, at first, I, I, I agree with your term. It was a scary proposition because I was one of those people who could not sit in an empty room by myself. I had to live with me, and that was really scary. So I had to go inside and learn that a power green in myself is there always, is necessarily the power in my life. The text of Alcoholics Anonymous is imperative. It says that that is that power. So that's where my, my strength and my courage and my desire to live and be happy, joyous, and free come today from inside in step 11. And then step 12 gives me the opportunity to display that, to act upon it, to, to become a, a good member of society, to return to the human race. Uh, I didn't know it when I came to recovery in 1974. I actually was trying to get back into the human race. They had ostracized me. They had said, go away. We don't need you. And now, through the first 10 steps of, of taking alcohol completely out of my life, and then through steps 11 and 12 of returning to the God of my understanding is where I was going to enter back into the human race. I really felt like it was uh, a disease of separation. I felt separate from people when I first started. And that's why I wanted to start to feel a part of, to feel comfortable in my own skin so I could participate in life and I could be among people. And then it was the great separator thereafter because I became so isolated. And like you said, people didn't want you around and, you know, our lives became such a mess. And then now we're being restored to the human race yet again. And not as we were before we started drinking and using drugs and other substances and other behaviors. I was restored to a mental state that I've never had before. 
I mean, I started drinking as a child. I was 12 years old. What did I know about uh, having any uh, uh, social skills or being able to fit into a group or being a part of? I had no skills. I was only 12. I was very fortunate, Debbie, on my mother's deathbed. She died at 92. I was able to share with her the greatest thing she ever did for me, her and my father, was they never gave me any religious training whatsoever, nor spiritual training. They were into their addictions. They were into their life cycles, and we were just children. So when I came to my fellowship, I was literally a heathen. I had no belief system. I didn't care. It was, it was beyond me. So what? And at that point, I became teachable the minute I walked in the door. I didn't have to break down any, any life thinking. I didn't have to break down any belief systems. I just started at zero and went forward. So I was truly, truly blessed in that. I would say up until in nearly two decades, two and a half decades in recovery, think the aberrant thinking of a, a corrupt, spiritual, emotional person like myself at times still manifested. At 10 and a half years, I nearly devastated my life. At 19 years, I did it again. Never drank, never wanted to drink, but I became a non-useful human being again, just through my spiritual emotional corruption. But hanging in there and doing the rest of the steps and going on into steps 11 and 12 have allowed me now to, in fact, grow to the point where I feel like I'm now a useful human being. I think it's really important that you brought up the fact that oftentimes we cannot sit alone in a quiet room. And that is one of the things that I really need today. I mean, I've been very busy lately. I had a big fundraiser for the Freedom from Addiction Foundation last week, and I had been running day and night for like three weeks. And last night, I just took the evening off. I didn't take calls. I didn't take text messages. I wasn't on the computer. I just needed that downtime. And I sat in the room with my dog, with no TV, no radio, nothing. I just needed about three hours of absolute peace until I fell asleep. And that's amazing because I used to have like every TV in the house was on the bedroom, the living room, the other room. You know, I mean, I kept them on the same channel. I wasn't totally nuts, but (laughs) I had to have that background noise. I'm so privileged, Debbie. I'm a teacher of Tai Chi and Qigong here in this area, and I teach meditation and deep breathing. So four times a week, I'm teaching it, and each day I practice it. So I'm kind of immersed in the quietness, but I'm amazed, that the, and, and this is mostly an elder population, but I am amazed at the elders, 70-plus, that look at you and say, I'm scared to death of meditation. I don't know what it is. And I wonder how they got to be that old without ever doing it. Yeah, right. But they love it. They absolutely dive into it headfirst and they love it. I think the thing that I always hear about meditation is you should at least take a half hour for it. And if you're really busy, you should take an hour. Absolutely. (laughs) Richard, how long are you sober? It'll be uh, 40 and a half years. Wow. 40 and a half years. Going on 41. (laughs) Congratulations to you. Don't drink and don't die, right? Absolutely. That's the way you become an old timer. Just stay alive long enough and don't drink. Uh, you know, one, la- one last thing, Debbie, in this prayer and meditation and the conscious contact with God, it allows me to also field the life problems around me. I have very close members, loved ones that are still fighting the addiction, that are still in the middle of it. 
and it requires me to be quiet and allow God to take care of them, for me to not interfere. And that's a hard thing to do when you're a parent or a loved one. Yes, and, uh, it absolutely. And it is only that strength and power of, of God as we understand Him, each one of us, that allows me to do that. So I, I, I'm just truly fortunate and blessed, I think. Very key. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for sharing with us. We're going to go to Linda. Linda's from San Diego, California. Linda, thank you for calling and welcome to Sober in the City. Well, thank you for having me, Debbie. Yeah, our pleasure. Linda, you hear us sharing about steps 11 and 12. Can you share your experience with us? The first thing I, I, I thought of when um, I was listening to, was it Richard? Yes. Um, when I first came to the rooms, I had no God of my understanding. And I kept hearing, you know, when we sat down and did a preamble, God could and would if he were thought. I was, I had no God of my understanding. And I thought, um, I'm, I'm going to do this program with no God. So, the, you know, the first nine months that I was in and out, uh, my best thinking got me there. And my best thinking kept me drinking for those nine months. And then I thought, all right, God couldn't would if he were thought. He's never going to be caught, but I'll seek him. And uh, I didn't have much faith that it was going to happen, but let me approach this academically. So I sat down pen and paper, strong, strong, um, uh, one of my sponsors. And before I knew it, when I hit that third step, I realized there was a God of my understanding and that there had always been a God of my understanding. That's why I was alive and able to go to the room. So by the time I got and did the work, and we all know nobody really loves that fourth step, the inventory <laughs> and the fears and the resentments and all that other stuff. But I realized that that I had to hit, I was, after that, the good stuff started happening. The promises actually started coming true. So by the time I got to step 11, thought through prayer and meditation, like you just said, if you're really busy, do it for an hour. And I thought, there's just no way. I, I, I can't even sleep at night. How am I going to close my mind down? And uh, I went, gave it a try, thought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for me. And that was kind of scary because I wanted to just do life on Linda's terms on my will. And I just thought, on this bar, and I realized it's not all about me. It's all about sitting in public, and I'm going to go through, and I'm going to do this. And at that point, my life turned around, and I realized everything that I was looking for in drinking, I got in sobriety. And especially, you know, in, in the rooms we talk about 10, 11, 12, check up from the neck up. And it was such a relief to realize that I didn't have to rely on self-will anymore, that there was somebody out there that was going to carry me, and I can worry about everything, and I can regret everything, and all that's going to do is rob me of the serenity that God has given me today. And going next into step 12 was when I saw the beauty of the work that I had done, because I wasn't a menace in, in society anymore. I realized there was no negativity in my life, for the most part, for the most part. I was free of hatred, and I had no bitterness. I was much nicer to people, and as a result, nicer things were happening to me. And I got that only by pure faith that the steps would work. And I didn't believe it in step one, two, three. But at some point, each step along the way, 
prepared me for that 11 and 12 to be free of self. And I had heard at one point, you know, for when I am strongest, I am weakest. I had to drop it. That was me. I can do this. I'm strong. I, I can do this. I had to drop that and just let somebody else run my life for me. And that's really hard for a strong, independent, strong-willed woman, originally from New York and, you know, business person, successful. And say, I can't do this. I just can't do this anymore. And I, I, I remember feeling like when I finally surrendered, I felt like I was having a temper tantrum on my garage floor. And at some point, something happened, something came in and picked me up and put me on a feather bed. And that was God. And it was when I did step 11 that I realized that even though I didn't believe in God, I didn't feel like I had a God in my life, there was always a God in my life. Now, I needed to shut up my mind and pray. And if you pray, you've got to meditate so that you can get the answers. Meditation is key. And if I can do it, this busy, you know, 100 miles an hour person from New York, Anybody can do it. Just allow yourself that gift because it is a gift. Well, that's and that, this is why we get that praying to God is talking to Him, and meditating is where we listen. If we just pray and keep running, we're never going to have that answer. And I know my life was just totally a mess, and I had to let go, and I couldn't do it because I was homeless. I couldn't work. Um, I was grossly underweight. I was sick. I mean, it was very obvious that my life, even to me, that my life was a mess. At some point, I watched somebody else get sober, and I watched them go from that restless, irritable, discontented person to someone who was becoming kind of peaceful and kind of easygoing and went, you know what? That's all I've ever wanted in my life was some peace. Now, how do I get that? So I did what they did. I went to the program. I got a sponsor, and I started working steps, and it worked for me. It worked. It worked for so many other people that I saw doing it. It worked for millions. I read about millions of people around the world all the time doing this program, being successful at it, and going on to live happy, sober lives. So, I mean, sobriety is not immunity. Things still happen, but when they do happen in our lives, we then know how to deal with them. Linda, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. We're going to go to Chile from Kentucky. Chile, welcome to Sober in the City. How are you? Hey, Debbie. Pretty good. Good. Chili, you hear us sharing about uh, steps 11 and 12. You want to share your experience with us? Yeah, sure. Uh, the first thing I can say is, uh, you know, I went around, and this is my experience, in, in the first three years of uh, my sobriety, uh, I came into the rooms with the exact same belief, which were somebody else's beliefs of God, and they were not my own. And uh, come to find out that was not working too well for me. And so the thing was is I found out that, you know, the hard way was that there's a most important thing to me in my life and in recovery right now is those words as we understand. And I always bring that up because there is no way that I could have ever gotten out of meditation then when I'm getting out of it now with somebody else's idea of God because um, I can I could sit here and say I wasn't as fortunate as Richard but yet I still believe I am. I, I, I have parents that you know like the guy in uh, the end of uh, There's a Solution. I had parents I feel that just really 
crammed religion down my throat all my life, and I was always scared to question that. And so one of the scariest things was starting that step two and actually getting a God that I could actually understand rather than... This is the first thing my sponsor told me. He told me to write down the word believe and then told me to circle the three middle letters, which were lie. (laughs) And, you know, he, he said, you know, believing and understanding God are two different things. I didn't understood at that point what he was talking about. Today I do. Um, today I actually have a power that I can live with, and so that brings me back to where we are now: is you know praying for the knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And I agree with everybody that prayer is asking for direction now. Meditation, I'm going to actually listen to the answer. So I need to be uh, my Experience, meditating more than I do praying because uh, I need to be listening more than I am talking. And the thing is, I think, is that I must accept the answers that I get in meditation and act on it so that the change can actually occur. A lot of the time, I can be honest, I can get an answer. I can search diligently for the answer, but then... I get it, and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, do I really want to do that, you know? But it's always been well worth it, I can say that. Uh, But step 12, I did want to say something about that. You know, I I feel like I've had really great sponsorship uh, in the last year, Um, and my sponsor always refers back to the... uh, the original manuscript a lot, and uh, he says, you know, originally it was having had a spiritual experience as the result, or as the result of this course of action, and to carry the message to others, especially alcohol. Mm-hmm. So that kind of covers what you were saying in the beginning, Debbie. Is yeah, you know, we're I, I believe we're here to to carry a message to others, not for me to shove it down everybody's throat, but. You know, in the beginning of our book, it tells us that this can work for anybody, and it's and it's great for for everybody. And uh, um, I think the thing is, is that we we look at spiritual experience and we look at spiritual awakening. And my sponsor likes to keep things so simple sometimes it hurts my brain. And uh, <laughs> he said. He simply told me, he said, you know, you have the spiritual experience long before you have the awakening. He said, you know, he, he explained to me that you want the experience. The awakening is, is good and you understand it, but you don't have to understand this for it to work. He said, you're not going to understand it. He said, uh, and you're not going to like it. He said, but the point is, it will work and you just need the experience. You don't have to have the understanding. And he always says, you know, if I was to go out here and uh, get in a car, I don't have to understand all the inner workings of the car. I just have to have the key and turn the key, and the car will go wherever I need it to go. I don't have to understand the car. It's just having the experience is what I need, not, not the understanding of it. Exactly. And every time that I'm, I was just sitting here thinking about it as you were sharing, and I went through this process and have managed to stay sober. And the fact that I can sit down and talk to somebody else 
and share that experience with them of how to stay sober. I'm a crackheaded junkie and a blackout drunk. How am I telling somebody how to stay sober? I couldn't put two days together for like the last six years of my life. I couldn't I mean, my using life. I couldn't put two days together. Now, what a miracle it is to be able to sit down and show someone else, usually another woman, how they can stay sober. Show them how I stayed sober and let that be an example for them and watch them walk in my footsteps and do the things that I did and not become me, but become themselves. To It's like when an artist sees a piece of wood and they do the carving, like they see a bear or an eagle inside this piece of wood and they just chip off the outside pieces to release that animal or that sculpture that's inside that piece of wood. Have you ever heard an artist describe something that way? That's what it's like when I'm working with another alcoholic or another addict and I see this person inside there and we just have to chip away all that stuff on the outside, chip away those character defects, take away the pain, take away the hurt, right size, the resentments and, and help them see where their part in it is and just change that thinking a little bit. And then that person that is inside is eventually released and then they get to be themselves. I don't want anybody to be a carbon copy of me. I want you to be the best you that you can be. Thank you so much for being with me here today. Uh, Chili, Linda, and Richard here in this segment. And wherever there is breath, there is hope. Never give up and never quit fighting. Please support our advertisers so we can continue to bring you Sober in the City and visit us at SoberInTheCity.com and listen live on the Sober in the City app for Apple and Droid devices. Please support the Freedom from Addiction Foundation at FFAFoundation.com. Until next week, I'm Debbie Strand, one day at a time, staying sober in the city. Sober in the City, hosted by Debbie Strand, is produced for the world by Up Media Group International LLC with all rights reserved. Visit us online today at SoberInTheCity.com for up-to-date information on addiction, recovery, and living one day at a time. Sober in the City supports the Freedom from Addiction Foundation. You can give a dollar today at FFAFoundation.com. Sober in the City is an on-air 12-step-based recovery program designed to help those suffering from alcoholism and or addiction and those affected by them. Call your local radio station today and ask for Sober in the City and visit SoberInTheCity.com. At Belief Treatment Center, we understand. We understand you are struggling. That's why our treatment nourishes mind, body, and spirit. We understand that recovery works differently for everyone. That's why we design individual treatment programs specifically for you. At Belief Treatment Center, we understand that it's not easy. That's why we offer a comprehensive scope of services, including nutrition, massage, chiropractic, and aftercare for you and even for your family. Belief Treatment Center is a 12-step friendly, state-of-the-art facility located in gorgeous Palm Beach County, Florida. We are experts in all types of addiction and recovery, and we are proud sponsors of Sober in the City. To find out more about our program and how your insurance may cover your treatment, call us today at 1-855-874-2354. That's 855-874-2354. 1-855-874-2354. Or visit BelieveTreatmentCenter.com. Believe Treatment Center. We understand. Are you a suffering addict or alcoholic? Is someone you know struggling with this disease? Let the Freedom From Addiction Foundation assist you with our acclaimed intervention and recovery coaching services. For a very affordable fee, we can set up and perform on-site interventions, ongoing treatment supervision, and personalized recovery and life coaching services. 
We are local, we are a nonprofit group, and we can work within your financial parameters by accepting most major credit cards and working with or without your insurance. Call today, 1-877-876-2329. 1-877-876-2329. Again, that's 1-877-876-2329. Are you a suffering addict or alcoholic? Is someone you know struggling with this disease? Recovery starts with one phone call. Call the Freedom From Addiction Foundation today. 877-876-2329.